thank you for being here today and for gathering as a body of believers. I'm grateful that we took time to pray today and to and to kind of honor those who are, um, and for a long time, will be reeling from the tragedy that they faced in Texas last week. But I, I do think that not only with our prayers, um, we also honor them with our presence. By us continuing to be um, a, a body of believers in Jesus Christ who gather no matter. Um, and so thank you for being here and for being a part of that today um, with us as a church. We are, I want to kind of lay a roadmap for you and tell you where we are and where we're going. We just finished up um, a, a series on the tabernacle of the Old Testament. This, this place that not only housed the presence of God, but indicated his desire to be with us as a people. And honestly, we could have taken that series and gone on past Valentine's Day and still not expunged all of the wisdom and all of the application of what it means for us to be a, a people of God who know him and trust him and follow him. Um, and that would have been great, but that series unfortunately is over. We're heading for this week and next week into kind of a celebration of Thanksgiving. We call it Stories of Thanksgiving each year. And so today we're going to be talking about what it means to live our lives with an attitude of gratitude and that rhymes, which is awesome. Um, and then next week we go into a service that's all about stories of Thanksgiving and these collected, cultivated testimonies of God's faithfulness throughout the year that we will celebrate together in the life of the church. So I hope you'll be back with us next week as Pastor Jeff, who's at our Nolansville campus today, will be back here with us to, to lead out in that testimony time. And then we go into Christmas. Thanksgiving will be over. We will be full. November 26th will hit and we'll be cliff diving into the idea that Christmas will be celebrated in like, I don't know, from today, 40 something days. We're going into a series on perspectives uh, and the perspectives of the original audience uh, of the Christ birth narrative. And it's not your same old, same old nativity because we're kicking it off with like Herod and then the Pharisees and then moving into the Christmas story. And I'm so excited about what their perspectives of Jesus coming have to do today with our lives and our perspectives of Jesus already come. And I'm stalling a little bit um, because I have this impression um, from God of how I think he um, desires for me to kick off and lean into today's message, and I don't want to do it. Um, um, but how can you say no to the great God of this universe, and what kind of pastor would I be if I didn't lean into that? Um, and so I press on in fear and um, say this, I... Um, <clears throat> I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made. Thank you. Somebody about sang. I heard it and um, you didn't leave me hanging. So some of you know that song. And listen, it's not Oceans. It's not Ever Be. But that was my church's praise jam in the 1980s. And we sang it almost weekly. And did you catch me in the middle? I almost did this. Because um, that's what people back at my little southern church did when I was growing up. And I think that's awkward. I'm so grateful that the Lord didn't command me this morning to do like this. Because I, I fear I wouldn't have recovered. Like we sang that. That song. And that song for us wasn't just an attitude with which we came to worship. It was really a reflection on what we understood from the Psalms because those words, um, they're not made up lyrics. They're like literally the words of Psalm chapter 118 combined with the words from Psalm chapter 100 into this song that we could sing together as a church declaring to the God of this universe that we wanted to come before him with an attitude of thanksgiving. And so we're going to put those words from Psalm 100 on the screen and we're going to sing it together. No, I'm just kidding. But we are going to read aloud um, these five verses um, just together this morning. So join me as we read. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. 
Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And we say these words and we sing these kinds of songs because we want this to be the description of our life. We want to be a people who come before God with that kind of attitude and that kind of disposition. If you're a Bible underliner or a a note taker or a newly minted 280 count character tweeter, um, then you're going to get ready because this, this passage of scripture is inviting us to do something. And you can underline these words like we're invited to shout. Like we would shout and declare to God that he is good. We're invited to to worship. We're invited to sing and we've done that. We're invited to give him our thanks. We're invited to give him our praise. But I submit to you this morning that we can only give to God that which we bring to God. Sometimes we can't give him our thanksgiving because we don't bring him our thanksgiving. Instead, we bring him lazy contempt. Or we bring to him our own self motivated, focused desires, and that's all we have to give. But we're instructed to bring him our thanksgiving, and that's, that's more than thank you. Our, our thanksgiving is more than thank you. Thanksgiving is, it's more than what we think it is. Do you ever, do you ever do that thing as a grown-up um, to your kids or the kids in your lives where um, you need to remind them of their manners so they do something and you ask them a question. Like when they come and they ask for um, a privilege or a portion or a prize or some sort of treat and you say, what do we say? Because you need to remind them that they're supposed to say please. Or, or they receive a gift or a blessing or some sort of present and they wait more than five seconds before responding and so you remind them very casually, what do we say? So that they'll respond by saying thank you. Like, we hope that gratitude is natural, that it's as normal as walking or crawling, and that in some sort of little stage of development without any help from us, our kids will just naturally do it and be it, but it's not. So we treat it like reading and writing, something that we have got to teach them how to do, because if we don't teach it, they won't live it. And it's really not that either, it's, it's more. You see, Thanksgiving is more than just saying thank you. And we're up against a lot if we want to cultivate that kind of attitudes in our own lives, much less the lives of our kids. There's another song that I learned as a child. Um, I have this memory of my grandmother singing it to me. Um, It's, look all the world over, there's no one like you. There's no one exactly like you. And we teach that to our kids, Mike, right? And we tell them all the time that they're so special, that they're one of a kind, that they're so great. And we tell them all the ways and the reasons why we love them. And we should because it's, it's absolutely true. Our kids are indeed super special individuals. They were handcrafted in the image of God. And so are we. So we can take heart today knowing that we ourselves are formed in his likeness. That's a good thing. And there's a lot to be celebrated about the fact that we are special. Not because of us, but because of him. But there's, a, there's this converse truth that we live with in life. And we don't want to talk about that because it's a much harder pill to swallow. Not only are we super special individuals, not only are our kids super special individuals, but they're also supremely humanly sinful beings. And it doesn't bode so well to look at our kids and say, Nor Blake, you're so special. I love you. But you're also a dirty, rotten sinner separated from the God of this universe by your sin. Like, we don't do that. 
But it's a truth that we all need to hear. Gratitude and other godly characteristics, they're good goals, but they're not guarantees. This word of God from Psalm chapter 100, it's not a what do we say moment. It's a how do we live moment. And we don't relegate the idea of thanksgiving to being a people who don't forget to say thank you. Because thank you is courtesy. Thank you is just manners. Thanksgiving is something different. It's a state of being. And it's what we want to cultivate in our lives. But we're up against fair many and odd because it's difficult. Uh, the first odd that we're up against, it's in your notes today, is human nature. It's that. It's the state of our sinful hearts. Like, we just can't be a people who are that grateful all of the time. We can't cultivate that kind of godly characteristic in our life because we are, in fact, dirty, rotten sinners. There's a story in the Bible, and, and it happened in the life of Jesus, Luke chapter 17, and it's a familiar story. There's even a song. I won't sing it. I've already done that today. It says in Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 12, as he, that's Jesus, was going into a village, 10 men, you're going to need to do some math on this, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, remember the numbers, you're going to need to do some math. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. If we were doing just this passage of Scripture today, we would have to stop and spend a whole lot of time on that idea that he was just a Samaritan. We're going to skip over that for the sake of time today and go to the next part because it's a big deal. In verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other Nine, y'all, the Bible is rich in statistics, and apparently 90% of people who have a profound reason to be thankful, in fact, are selfish jerks. <laughs> Only 10% of us are just naturally grateful for the blessings that God gives us in life, according to this passage. Why? Because we're human, and we're sinners, and it's a human nature issue when it comes to being uh, people who are full of hearts of thanksgiving. It's not just a human nature issue. It's also a popular culture issue. And this impression that the world wants to leave in us of who we are, it's popular culture. You see, popular culture has a pervasive identity that thrusts onto us in the world and tells us that we're better than we are, that we're more important than we are, and that we deserve more than we get. It's the opposite of gratitude, and it's an attitude that is thrust on all of us, especially our kids in the next generation. It's the idea of entitlement. See, entitlement is the opposite of gratitude. It's defined as inherently deserving, believing that you inherently deserve privileges or special treatment. Your mama told you you were special and you believed her, and so therefore you deserve special treatment in life and even better treatment in life than other people get. It's characterized by expectations of getting without giving and by taking for granted all of the blessings that you have in life. And so how, how in the world are we up against our own basic human nature, hearts full of sin, Plus, the idea that the world makes you feel like you're supposed to be better than everybody else and you deserve more than anyone else and people should treat you as if you're better. How are we supposed to battle both our own nature and the entitlement that the world thrusts on us? We need a remedy. We need an immunization that's bigger than just the habit of saying thank you when we get a good gift. Like, 
We need a heart that's transformed into a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And so scripture comes in and scripture helps out. We're going to spend the remainder of our time in the New Testament this morning in Paul's letters, starting with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. These are familiar verses, short verses, 5, 16 through 18. And they say this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we're right back at that psalm being reminded that we're supposed to rejoice, that we're supposed to sing praises, that we're supposed to give God the thing that he is due. And it's not just coupled with the idea of singing praises and rejoicing. It's also given over to us that we're supposed to be a people who pray. Some of your Bible translations are going to say that you pray without ceasing. That means that we are to be in a constant communion with the God of this universe, always recognizing who he is and that every blessing we have belongs to him. Like we're supposed to worship him and remain connected to him. And then... It says we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances. And we have to conclude that all circumstances includes wretched circumstances in life. Horrible circumstances in life. Big, huge difficulties in life. Just like it does the grand blessings we receive this season. I was leaning out in a men's Bible study at Rolling Hills and a bunch of guys got to participate with me. We studied the life of Joseph in the Old Testament and that guy faced one big dilemma after another and God continues to remind me of that story. That Bible study for me and the other men at Rolling Hills has been over for weeks but just Wednesday this week I was reminded yet again of Joseph. I was listening to a pastor and he said these words, without the pit and the prison Joseph never would have made it to the palace. So we're supposed to somehow be a people who, who, who understand that even in our dark moments, in our difficult moments, in our wretched moments, in our disturbed moments, in our mourning moments, in our, our grief-filled moments, we're somehow supposed to be a people cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. And then, and then you go to the last clause in those verses that we read in verse 18. It says something really important to us. It says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As 21st century, like, westernized American believers, we are conditioned, like literally conditioned to always assume that the will of God is something specific for us as individuals. We're conditioned to be hyper-focused on God's specific will for our individual lives. Lord, do you want me to be a doctor? Do you want me to be a teacher? Do you want me to be a pastor? Do you want me to live in Tennessee? Do you want me to live in South Africa? Do you want me to get married? Do you want me to remain single? Do you want us to have kids? Do you want us to just be like, we're conditioned to think that the will of God is only about the specifics in our individual lives while ignoring God's general will for our whole faith community. That we would rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And I'm convinced that in the moments, at least in my life, when it seems like God is holding out the specifics of Nick Allen, it's because I'm not doing a great job in doing the general of Jesus. That, that somehow, when I'm so hooked on God's specific will for my life, that just seems so elusive. Like, God, just tell me what you want me to do today. He faithfully reminds me, I told you what I want you to do today. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. And so somehow we have to understand that God's will for our life is to give him praise, remain connected to him, and in all circumstances, including the worst ones, give him our thanks. So how do we learn that? 
And how do we lead from that so that others will learn that? We, we, we go to Scripture. And first, it's not rocket science. We cultivate a thankful perspective in our own lives. Like a perspective of gratitude. My wife, Susan, is amazing. We've been married for 17 um, years. And uh, when we were first married, her career was in public health. And she worked for the health department and taught classes in lower-income communities to help people make better decisions in life. And she was fantastic at it. And then she transitioned from public health to um, a ministry-based health system called Crisis Pregnancy Ministries. And she was leading out in that. And their community of Crisis Pregnancy Ministry would invite pastors to come in on Fridays to pray with them. And, and you're literally praying for big deals. You're praying for moms to choose life for babies. You're praying for life to extend in our community and resources to be made available to under-resourced people. You're praying for big deals. And yet the leader of that ministry was inspired by the heart of God to spend an entire year not writing in a giant three-ring notebook all of our prayer requests for the community, all of our prayer requests for the unborn, but to only articulate praises and thanksgivings. So we literally had to retrain our minds on Friday mornings to, to approach every request that we made to God as a blessing that we had received from God. Even the difficult circumstances that we were living in for God. And so we want to cultivate a, 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 a thankful heart and a thankful perspective in all of our lives. And the, and the way we do that is Scripture. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes another letter. In chapter 1, starting with verse 30, he says this, It is because of him. Who's he talking about? God. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Boast literally means to glory in. If you're going to take pleasure in, if you're going to take pride in, if you're going to be excited about anything, be excited about the Lord. This year, I bet you're going to make a list. And I bet some of you have already tagged something on Pinterest that's going to help you be creative with your list. You've already got the butcher paper in mind that you're going to spread across your table and the little cute cups filled with brown crayons because that's an autumnal color. And you're going to invite people before you pass the turkey to take those crayons and write on that butcher paper all the things that they're thankful for. You've already purchased the napkins that are going to double as lists so that people can say, this year I'm thankful for this and this and this and this. Like We're going to cultivate lists of Thanksgiving this year so that on Thursday that week when we gorge ourselves, on such good food, we can also be expressing to God the thing that we're thankful for. And on my list is my now 11-year-old, right? Because today is my oldest's birthday. And so we're celebrating and we're so excited about her and what God's doing in her life. And it's been a journey. I can literally remember her birth like it was like two days ago. Yesterday, kind of fuzzy, but two days ago, sure, I've got that. I can remember the moment that I, it was actually a Sunday, like today. She was a scheduled cesarean section for Wednesday the 15th of that week. However, her, she triggered labor in her mother. And so by 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which I'm sorry is my favorite time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I was holding my first kid. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for her mom. I'm thankful for um, her sister and her brother, my other kids. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for my leadership here who invests in me. I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to be a pastor and to learn and to grow. And I'm thankful for the community that I can go on and on and on and on saying all of the things that I'm thankful for, but ultimately the list that I make has to start and end with Christ because he is enough and he's done enough. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 30, it's a perspective verse. It reminds us that our salvation 
the forgiveness of our sins that's been extended to us and our sanctification, that invitation that we've been given to be Christ-like that's imparted to us. It, they're both from Jesus. And that it's his righteousness, his holiness, his redemption that we have to be the most thankful for. We cannot be thankful in all circumstances until Jesus Christ starts and finishes all of our Thanksgiving list. I just saved you some time. Because this year when you get to the Thanksgiving meal, you can just write down Jesus. Entitled people, they're thankful for salvation, but somehow still feel as if the God of this great universe owes them something and that if they follow him well, he'll bless them with even more. Listen, if the great God of this universe never gave us one more blessed thing, it would be okay because he has already done more than we can ever ask, more than we can ever imagine, and certainly more than we deserve. He's enough. And sometimes with our lists, we're telling the great God of this universe that we're more thankful for the temporary blessings that he has given us in this life than for the eternity that he purchased for us in the next with his blood. And we have to be reminded that those lists can be taken away. Because this morning there are people in Texas that are waking up reminded that their lists have been taken away. There's concert goers from all over our country who gathered in Las Vegas a month ago and they'll be reminded this year on Thanksgiving when they get the brown crayon that your list can be taken away. And I don't want to be a person that's grateful to God because he's given me a list. I don't want to be a person that's grateful to God because I have this whole little Pinterest craft that I can articulate on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, telling God, thank you for this and 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 this because every single one of those things could be taken away and God would still be good. God would still be on a throne. God would still be worthy of all of my shouting and all of my worshiping and all of my singing and all of my thanksgiving and all of the praise that I could Psalm 100 to him. It's about cultivating a thankful perspective. So, so what, what is it for you? Are you more grateful for the blessings that God has given? Or are you enough grateful for the God who gave them? And will you still be grateful if he determines that it is in your best interest to take them? That's thanksgiving cultivated in our hearts. And then we take it a step further. We model thanksgiving for others in our lives. This, this book of 1 Thessalonians was a letter to Thessalonian believers. And, and, and so Paul writes it. And in Acts chapter 17, you can go read the whole story about how he took the gospel to this community. And he took the gospel to this community at incredible odds. Like Jews ran him out of the community as he was trying to preach and reach the Greeks who lived there. And so he gets away and there are new believers and they've started a church. And he writes them these words, we always, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, started with verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. He's modeling for them the thanksgiving that he has to God for everything that they are. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that he's chosen you. 
that, that all of your first Corinthians, your redemption and your righteousness and your holiness has been given to you by God. Why? Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your, st- your sake. It was difficult for Paul. You saw what he did. You became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 7 that then you modeled that for other believers. This whole passage of scripture, it's, it's discipleship. It's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We define disciple at Rolling Hills as a growing follower of Jesus Christ, which begs the question, what's a growing follower of Jesus Christ? Well, a growing follower is a believer who is taking intentional steps towards Christ's likeness and inviting others to do the same. Paul was modeling gratitude to God in his own life. And the Thessalonian believers were imitating that gratitude in their lives. And then they were modeling it for other people in their lives. That's a discipleship plan. So who is Paul showing you Jesus? And who are you, Thessalonians, showing Jesus to? That's the plan, that we would not just be a people who cultivate a thankful perspective in our own lives, but it's not rocket science, but that we would also model that thanksgiving perspective for others that are in our lives. How do we do it? Rejoicing always, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. You know those believers. You know those people who you look at their story and you look at their life and you look at their circumstance and you think, oh, I could never. I could never face that. I could never go through that. I could never endure that because you see their life as so dark and so desperate and you look at it and you're just blown away by the fact that even though it's dark and desperate and you don't think that you could face it yourself, they do it with a heart that is full of gratitude and words that do nothing but praise the great God of this universe and you're blown away. One day God may call on you to be the believer that blows other believers away because you walk through that kind of detrimental circumstance and yet you do it with a heart that praises God. So much so that it's okay with you if you lose it all in the process. Because that's the third part. You don't just cultivate a, a thankful perspective in your own life and model it for others in your life. You also get to the point where you're willing to lose your life. What is it that you would give your life for? What is it that you are most thankful for? Those answers need to be the same. First Thessalonians chapter 2, skipping forward, Paul says, So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, that would have been enough, but our lives as well. Paul was willing to risk his life and give his life and lay down his life so that other people could see and experience Jesus. It's it's recorded later on in Luke chapter 17 after those, well, after only 10% of the people who had something profound to be grateful for returned and thanked Jesus and the other 90% went away. It's recorded later on. That, that, that Jesus was talking about eternity and end times. And he says these words, whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. Life in Luke chapter 17, verse 33, and lives in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. They're from the same Greek word, suke. 
And I would submit to all of us that we are not grateful for our lives in Christ until we're ready to lay down our lives for Christ. We're not truly living in thanksgiving until our thanksgiving lists start and end with Jesus, who he is and what he's done. So, so we take it back to Psalm 100. How do we rejoice always? How do we pray continually? How do we give thanks in all circumstances? How do we come into his presence with hearts that are filled with nothing but thanksgiving in spite of the world that we live in? How do we come to him with nothing but an attitude of praise in spite of the world we live in? We go back to verse 3. We know him. And we know that we belong to him. How do we rejoice always? How do we pray continually? How do we give thanks to God in all circumstances? Understanding his will for our life to be a people who come into his presence with nothing but thanksgiving and praise. We, Psalm 100 verse 5, we recognize that he's good and that his love endures forever and that he is faithful. We know him and we recognize him. That's how we live lives that are so much deeper than casual courtesy, thank you. But instead are rooted in everything that we have to be grateful for because of Jesus. And that we are so much filled with that kind of heart of thanksgiving that even if everything and when everything else is taken, we would still be a people who have nothing to bring except thanksgiving, except praise. I want you to, this morning, take that leaf, um, that little craft project you were given in your worship guides when you came in this morning, and Jeff's going to come back out, and he's going to lead us in a time of response and sing a song. And, And during that, I just invite you to write down that thing that you are most thankful for. And here's my prayer. I pray that that thing that you're most thankful for is rooted in Jesus in your life with him. Because maybe that thing that you're most thankful for is the forgiveness that you didn't deserve. Maybe that thing that you're most thankful for is the patience that he alone could give. The endurance that he alone could provide. The holiness that looks nothing like you but has somehow been imparted to your life through the work of the Holy Spirit telling you how to be like Jesus, maybe the thing that you're most thankful for this year is a really bad thing and a thing that somehow God has used to draw you closer to him than ever before. And so you will go down in history being a person who was thankful for the wretched because it drew you to the one. What is it that you're thankful for? And how does that one thing remind you of the only thing, Jesus? Father, I pray that you would continue to cultivate the soul of our hearts to be characterized by thanksgiving. That you would continue to give us opportunities to to model that life for other people, not just our kids, but an unbelieving world who could see Jesus better if we would only be a grateful people. And ultimately, God, I pray that you would use even this season of gratitude uh, as as a reminder for us to give up everything that we have for the sake of your name and your gospel. We love you, Jesus. And we make our prayer and our petition and offer our thanks to God through you and because of you. Amen.